Welcome to CompTIA Community Casts. Today's podcast is brought to you by the MSP community. Hello, welcome to Breaking Barriers. I'm Miles Jobjian, the community director with CompTIA. And with me today is Rafi Jamgachin with Triada Networks, who among other things is a volunteer on our executive council for the IT security community. So excited to have Rafi here with me today. Um, we're continuing our MSP Spotlight series, uh, where I've been interviewing a bunch of different MSP owners and executives with the same series of questions. And we're kind of looking to build some themes or maybe where there's points of conflict in the industry. And we're gonna explore those um, a little bit later this year. So thank you, Rafi, for, for being here today. Before we get started too deep, um, just kind of, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, Triada Networks. Sure. So uh, I started Triada Networks in 2008. Uh, we, it was a fallout of the financial services meltdown. I was working in IT in the financial services industry since 1998, 1996, actually 1996. And uh, after 12 years, uh, branched out on my own. To, uh, to start an IT firm because we saw there was a lot of investment guys that were going out into the street as the large companies were kind of breaking up. They wanted to start their own funds. A couple of them reached out to me and said, hey, we, we work with you uh, in the past when we worked at corporate. Uh, are you interested in helping us out as we start up these new funds? And so that was kind of the opportunity for us to start Triada help these small investment companies uh, get going. And, and that's how we, uh, and no looking back since. Huh. So, so was it just a, um, just a natural family? Mean, have you always been kind of touching with the financial world? Yeah. So I started my IT career <clears throat> in the financial for, uh, world. Um, that's where I grew up. I started out as the, uh, as kind of a part overnight operator, part scripter. I had a computer engineering background, uh, did some engineering work, but, really hadn't done any IT or networking work. So that part of it was new to me, but I used my programming skills to help them automate some processes and then worked my way up to help desk manager and eventually uh, in charge of all of IT uh, uh, infrastructure at that firm. That firm got purchased by two other larger investment firms and then ran the security team for that larger investment firm. We were the first security group actually within that firm built the first firewalls and then managed the security processes. And so I kind of grew up in that financial services slash uh, security role within a, a larger IT firm uh, before branching out in uh, 2006. That's really cool. So as you've been able to, to kind of, you know, carve your own way now, how are some of your, you know, the values that you want to have, either your personal values or, you know, your organizational that you want to have within the company, how do those show up in your business? Well, you know, you hear about the bad things that financial companies tend to do, and uh, you don't really hear about a lot of the good that gets done. Um, not only in the, just in general, you know, providing finances for, for different things, but the particular niches that we were working in, you know, the first three funds that uh, started out their own companies, where, which Triada was born out of, was one was a company that was doing collateralized loans uh, basically, those are corporate loans that are sold on the private market. Um, they had a bad rap with the mortgage industry from the failout from 2007, 2008. But these were the corporate version, corporate loan version of that of that investment vehicle. Plus, private equity. Obviously, they're helping companies start up, get going, you know, provide value, uh, and then also a small hedge fund, which they're looking at 
really deep value within the company using quantitative or mathematical models. And between these three, we saw them really, you know, they were they were providing uh, defined pen parts of defined pension plans, and they were helping out teachers and uh, and government uh, backed entities where a piece of their piece of their investments were going to these smaller alternative investments. And these are these are the ones that were bringing the most gains for those folks. So they so they had their money, a lot of their money in safe, you know, typical your typical safe bets. But a lot of these larger pension funds would carve out a piece and provide it to these alternative asset companies. And so we really saw that they were providing not only an increased value for their the people who are investing in them, uh, but also with the companies that they were investing with. And so, you know, really, I, I kind of grew up with this concept that the financial industry is really, it's really kind of the lifeblood of the U.S. economy and, and, and probably then the world economy. And so that's the kind of value that we bring in. So we treat, you know, we're, we're now we feel ourselves as kind of part of that is, is in this smaller alternative asset world that we can help these firms who are now under, they're under the same scrutiny that the, their large uh, competitors are. So the big banks, the big institutions, they all have tons and tons of people and tons and tons of teams and they can pay top dollar to get the best in class uh, talent uh, to help them shore up security, shore up compliance and deal with regulations and all that. But these smaller firms don't. They, they don't have that kind of that cap the capacity to do that. And so um, we really felt that we can fill that, that, that void and say, hey, we're going to bring that big company experience, bring it down to the small uh, and medium investment firm so that you can compete with your larger cousins. And that was really kind of what started it. That's fascinating. This is a very different industry that you're servicing to see it in action and and. and have somebody down there saying, okay, look, yeah, there, there's space for these smaller companies to play, even though they have to obey under the same rules and all of that stuff. And and, and you're able to, to fill that, that, that gap and help them reach that point. That's awesome. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you know, the, the, the rules are the same, you know, the playing field is the same. The problem is that, you know, they have, they have a 60 man roster and this company's got, you know, four people competing on the field. You know, right. So it, it's, <laughs> The order of magnitude is is massively different. Even for us, as an IT firm in Metro New York City, you know we're competing with these companies to get talent too. So it's it's difficult for us. We've been able to to manage that between you know with my experience plus being able to bring in people from you know out of the area for us to compete in in, in that market as well. All right. So obviously. In order to carve out the space that you've carved, you got to be pretty good at a few things. So, what's something um, you know that that you would consider Triada to be just best in class and top notch? What do, where do you guys really kill it? In the space that we compete in, there are really kind of three kinds of IT firms that roll in this in the space. One are the ones that are dedicated to a particular vertical, but it's basically my way or the highway. So you have to use their systems, you have to use their software. You have to use uh, their infrastructure, and it gives very little leeway for the investment firm to kind of play outside of that box. And in the alternative world, that becomes par partially very stifling. Or you have the other end of the spectrum where you could throw a stick in New York City to get hit an IT firm. 
and they're all competing against you, but they're all generalists. You know, many of them, they'll do law, they'll do finance, they'll do uh, real estate, but they're generalists. They may not necessarily know all the ins and outs of every, uh, every little bit. So we fit in that little kind of niche in the middle where we're going to give you the experience, you know, 20 years, 20 plus years of experience helping investment firms and not only just helping investment firms be sitting on our laurels and doing that, you know, we're constantly evolving and learning uh, what's going on as new regulations come up, new privacy issues come up and competing against the other MSPs that may know uh, a lot about they're great MSPs. They do really well in the technology, but may not understand the business versus other MSPs that are focused on that specific micro niche, if you want to call it, but really does not, uh, give the company any flexibility in terms of how they operate their business. Yeah, so so you're able to kind of have that experience of the, the the industry itself, where you can recognize, hey, these are the solutions and the outcomes that you guys are looking for, that your clients are looking for. You're already familiar with it. You don't have to learn their business over again, right? You've got all that experience, and now you're bringing the IT skills to it. Yeah, I mean, if if the financial world's a funny thing, the uh, for better or for worse, there's a there's a issue of pedigree. Uh, it's kind of, you kind of hear it similar in the cybersecurity world where new cybersecurity companies prop up and you're always looking for, okay, how many people are ex-DOD and ex-NSA uh, and ex-FBI uh, that worked uh, in the cyber teams on those mm -hmm. firms that are now starting up? In a similar sense in the financial world, when you're sitting across uh, a CEO or managing director of an investment company, they want to know who you who else you're working with or who else you have worked with. And that pedigree uh, really brings a different kind of animal to the table. And when we're discussing things with them and we understand the terminology that they're throwing out, we understand their jargon, it really helps. I think that goes with any niche. Uh, when you For verticalize sure. your MSP, I think the best in class MSPs tend to be some, somewhat vertically focused. You have to be in a city like this when there's so, many, uh, so much other competition um, and there's plenty of business for everybody. So as you're thinking back, what's something that still makes you glow today? You're like, man, that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, probably the most poignant one that I could think of is uh, during Hurricane Sandy. Uh, when Hurricane Sandy rolled through, it was the year after uh, Irene, uh, and which was the year after Floyd. So it was, a, it was a, you know, it was three years of hurricanes, which is not really, a, it's not really usual uh, to get in, in the Northeast. But Sandy was the hardest one. Um, it, it, it hit the, uh, um, the Northeast pretty hard. And although most of Manhattan, at least in the middle midtown where most of our investment firms are, were okay, Northern New Jersey did not fare so well. So we had uh, a customer, basically their building was blocked off on inaccessible uh, power out, uh, you know, complete blackout. So you couldn't get to it remotely like some of our clients were able to work remotely, that worked out really well for them. Whereas this company, we couldn't do that. Systems were down, everything was down. And so we invoked their DR. I mean, we this is why we practice and test these things, right? Uh, we invoked their DR, we had them spun up within a few hours, and uh, some of them uh, worked from home, and uh, a bunch of them came to our office, actually sat down, we set up some computers for them, some phones, um, and they were able to still continue to work and take orders and, and what have you. And you know, that was, it's one of those things you do that. And then years later that not only did you, you feel sat the satisfaction that you helped that customer out, it adds a little bit of stickiness to uh, being able to yeah. the customer that they're, they're, they're not about to leave you for a couple dollars of savings here and there. 
because you, they know that when push came to shove, you you help them out. That's great. That's and that, that so that is cool. I, I loved how you phrased that too. That it's a, kind of the most poignant, right? It, it's something that you were like, man, we really did help people get their job done. That's that's awesome. Absolutely. I would only add one more other thing that similar. It actually happened to the same company. Funny enough, finance person got a, an invoice was not meant to be a real invoice infected their their office it was a crypto locker uh, at 4 p.m in the afternoon uh, we identified it at 4 15 had it back and running at 4 30 so it was when you do the right thing and you put things in place uh, to help yourself and help your customer uh, even if it costs a little bit more uh, I feel it's worth it um, because if that employee didn't then go to their boss and tell them that we did this, um, most of the company didn't even realize that that the event had taken place. When you kind of sit back and, and look across the industry today and, and, and your fellow MSPs and, and yourself as well, you know, what's kind of what is the, the biggest challenge keeps you up at night right now? What, what's what do you think is the the MSP is struggling with the most? Well, that's a no-brainer. I mean, the current target that we all have on our backs is uh, is is massive and growing. Um, between you know every, it almost feels like every week or every other week, another MSP uh, is breached, and consequently, their clients are um, infected. We we saw back even you know a few years ago after the target breach that came through a third party. We knew that that was a bellwether for us. That was going to be something that, with it, you know, with MSPs, that's going to be a, a target. And, and this year is this year. I would say 2018 and especially 2019. That's been there's been proof to that. Um, I'm uh, uh, that's the that's the piece that really uh, keeps me up at night. Is to it's not a matter of if it's uh, it's a matter of when uh, it's going to happen. And you know, you do everything you can to make sure that you're the last, you know, possible target uh, for that to happen. Yeah, that's tough. And, you know, I, I would I would concur. I mean, I've, the, all the statistics I've seen and and just the, the, the trending of, of the attacks and the targets and who's getting attacked, mm -hmm. um, it's getting closer and closer and closer to those, you know, those smaller business, right? It keeps coming down and down yeah. and down and down. That is a heck of a challenge facing everybody. I guess the, the, the good news around that, as you demonstrated in your success stories, is if you have the right plans in place, even when disaster strikes, you can recover, you can get back up and running. And if you're set up properly, you can do it relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think we've had these fire drills, you know, Grain and me since 9-11, you know, we, we were having these fire drills uh, all along. Uh, so it's not that part of it, uh, invoking a disaster plan or putting together something like that is not, is not new. Um, the cyber part of that, uh, incorporating cyber into your disaster recovery plan is interesting when we started doing that about three years ago when we started melding our, our business continuity plans with incident response plans for our clients. Um, and then going through the security trust mark with, with CompTIA, we, we, you know, we did it for ourselves. You know, those are the kinds of things that I think MSPs tend to not look at. Is, is keeping their own house in order and making sure that they're doing everything possible. Um, we, see the, we see the gaps that are available, you know, in our, in our own industry. Not only, you know, we see our own, obviously, but we see tons for, for other, other MSPs too. And there's a lot that we can do to protect ourselves. Uh, many of us don't do it. For, you know, for sure. We're not going to be that person that gets uh, impacted, but it's... Uh, uh, it's an unfortunate 
part of the real world today. And that's a big theme, as you know, you know, for our, our own security community this year, right, is, is be prepared. So, you know, one of the things that I found fascinating about the tech industry as a whole and in, in my, I don't know, call it 16 or so years I've been involved, there's always this next big thing. There's always this hype wave coming at you, right? There's always, this is the next, this is great, this is great. So as someone who is constantly, you know, facing these breaking waves coming at you of hype and hype and hype, how do you know when something is moved from, hey, this is just promotional and hype to, hey, wait, this is a, there's, there's actually a solution there that I can use. I can add value to my, to my clients or to my own business directly. How do you kind of make that judgment? I'm probably the last person you want to ask that question because <laughs> I, have, I have a little bit of shiny object syndrome. I tend to buy and try almost anything new that, that comes to market or is interesting. And at the very least, I probably would drop more to the bottom line if I didn't spend so much on those kind of things. I guess it gives me a little bit of uh, insight as to what is really uh, viable. It's interesting when when I worked at you know even when I worked at corporate uh, IT, uh, the the private equity com- uh, division at the time would come to us a lot to do due diligence on investment companies and we've uh, and uh, tech companies and uh, we still do that sometimes for our clients. We say, hey, we're looking to invest in this tech company. Can you take a look at their you know, their product, their, their solution, their market viability, and, you know, we'll do that for them. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting, so we get to see a little bit, even sometimes a little bit further out than, than even most of the MSP market when it comes to that. And it's, it's tough to identify sometimes what, what's going to work and what's going to not. And now as an MSP, I have a different perspective on what would work for MSPs, what would work for the channel, what would work with the typical, you know, as a service model, but it's uh, it's not it's not easy, you know. I think if we if you look back, you would think in the financial world, blockchain was going to be a bigger disruptor. In the investment world, at least in the circles that we're in, it hasn't been yet. We're seeing in other parts of it, but definitely not in not in the alternative space uh, where we are. Um, there are definitely pockets that are are doing that. I think there's a lot more in blockchain that could affect with supply chain and things like that in terms of disruption of technology, but that's not happening yet, at least not in in the investment world. So the same thing, similar idea in terms of IOT, I think IOT has a different effect in different different companies. And and if you're doing a lot of SCADA and IOT, you're going to get those industrial kind of control stuff that are growing up, getting smarter, being more connected. In the investment world or general business world, we really haven't seen that except in the very in the case of things like conference rooms and automation and and, and that sort of thing. And then the, those are things that are creeping in, and we need it becomes an education story for our clients to say, hey, maybe you shouldn't put that voice control device on the the main you know business. Uh, wireless network or something like that. You know, that, that those are things that are, are going to come up. You know, that people people want to bring in stuff like because they it works from home. You know, right? They, hey, I want to now have this thing on my desk that I talk to uh, all day long. So I haven't really seen that as becoming kind of like a say a growth area or becoming the next big thing. Um, the next big thing for us has really been cybersecurity from the beginning, uh, not just because it's the in vogue thing for MSPs to work on. Uh, that's just how we started. That was our pedigree, partly because we came out of financial, partly because I did a lot of security work in my uh, in my previous role before starting Triada. 
I, I guess I tend to focus in that area. So the ML aspect, the machine learning aspect of, of, of security is intriguing to me um, because of all the data that we have to uh, sift through. So as the whole concept of big data, again, not something that we really tapped into, but I can ser seriously see how the combination of security and big data, especially as companies start uh, working together more, sharing intelligence more, coming together to, to defend all our networks in, in a more cohesive way. I think those are the things that are going to be kind of interesting time to come. For sure. We have to kind of remove a little bit of that stigma of, oh, well, you were the victim, and so you did something wrong to bring that attack upon you, it, it may, it maybe turn that, that perspective around a little bit to say, okay, here's a victim who got hit. What happened? What information can we you know, learn from this experience to, to help the next person? Yeah, absolutely. Victim shaming doesn't help anybody. Um, right. And I think one of the things that we have in our industry that is a rarity is that we do share. Right. It's one of the, it's one of the, the cool things about what that I learned when, when I uh, started my MSP and I first started meeting other people. Like I was a technical guy, um, like most people. Uh, you know, I was an engineer. All of a sudden, now I'm starting a business, and people were super helpful. And you know, some of my best friends now, dating back to these past 11 years, are fellow MSPs. They're the guys I can call up on the phone and say, "Hey, have you seen this? Is this something that you're looking? There's forums, there's Slack channels, there's all sorts of ways that we can communicate and and work with each other." And it's great when we do. When the owners are doing it, I hope that is trickling down and the, the next level down and the next level down from that are, uh, will do it too. Yeah. So th that all kind of feeds into, you know, this, this next question around preparing for the unexpected, right? So your method, it sounds to me, is, is a lot of information gathering, a lot of reviewing and just trying to stay abreast. Could you expand on that or how do you kind of prepare for for what's yeah, unknown. All, all of that, all of that, and 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 then some. I mean, I probably consume more podcasts than I probably should. It's one of the blessings and curses of uh, working in Metro New York City. You spend a lot of time either on the car or on the bus or on the train, so um, it's a good time to listen and kind of feed things directly into your brain. And it's it's you know and it's all sorts of stuff it's 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 tech it's security it's business it's marketing it's you know history you know learning all the blending of all these things uh you pick up nuggets along the way that 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 help you out and you can i kind of things like you get these mini aha moments al along the way so that's probably my the biggest one um that and that peers and vendors those are the, the those are the really the three um, three ways that uh, we we get information and we discern what we're going to take action upon now because we all have limited resources and, and we go from there. That's great. It's, it's that engagement, right? Staying engaged, staying connected with the, the information that's coming out there and with your peers. And because you could sit in your office and, and not talk to anyone and you're going to get stale, right? And so that's, I love this everybody should be embracing this notion of, hey, there's a world going on out there. Stay engaged with it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. There's so much going on and, and you only have a small microcosm of that, you know. Right, we, right. we used to use it as a, in the beginning when we started marketing our services, we, would, we were targeting a lot of companies that had maybe an IT guy or a part-time IT guy that would come in and they said, look, we have exposure of all these companies. We're going to bring that experience to you. Besides our years of experience, we're going to bring you the experience, the ongoing experience we have with other firms like you. 
and it that together um, gives you a better story than just having one person that's been sitting at your company uh, for ten years and not seeing you know the broader world. And there's there's a huge amount of truth to that when now you take that and then you add the collective experience of all of us. Um, that becomes a massively useful tool to say, hey, you know, you saw something here, you know, did you see it there? Is it going on over here? You know, that kind of thing. That's good. That's very good. So, all right. I've spent a lot of time asking you questions and treating you as the expert, which you are. I, I love you. But <laughs> if we had to turn that around a little bit and you're, you know, you're, you're going down your daily life and you discover there's this ultimate guru of all things related to IT solutions and support. When you make your travel to your pilgrimage to this guru, what would you ask them? Wow. Okay. That's a, that's an interesting one. Um, we always hear about the ultimate end of uh, the IT as a business, right? Where you hear, I've heard, I've heard it all along. Uh, um, when I was in corporate, I, I remember one executive, one newer executive, he was an older gentleman compared to me at the time, I was a young guy at the time, uh, would say, just wait until you get uh, younger people in these executive positions and then you wouldn't be able to whatever, blow smoke or something like that. Thought I was uh, uh, messing with them with, uh, with regards to technology or something like that, and I said, "No, I I embrace that. I embrace that. I I look forward to that. I look forward to when uh, the next generation comes up that has the same kind of technical experience." And now we're seeing the following one, right? We're seeing as millennials come into the workforce, and now we're even working up into management. You know, they're getting to that age. Uh, and then we have the generation after that that's coming that's basically been a pure techno technology generation. At what point does, will that ever happen where we don't need people like us running around doing these things? Uh, I don't think that's, that's the realistic uh, outcome. I think there's always going to be a role for folks that can connect, you know, be the, the kind of connective tissue between technology and business. Um, but that was, that would be what I would ask. I, I don't think it would be anything technical. Um, you know, maybe ask about quantum computers, see when it's really going to happen, <laughs> but, uh, that would be it. That's very cool. All right. Well, thanks. This has been wonderful. I appreciate your time. I'm really looking forward quite honestly, when I get all these done to be able to kind of come back through and start putting things together from everybody. So had such wonderfully different, uh, thoughts and perspectives. And yet one of the common themes definitely so far has been on, on security. So we're going to keep keep digging and kicking over rocks and, and seeing what we find there. So uh, thank you, Rafi, for your time today. My pleasure, Mom. And uh, before I wrap, I'd just like to let everybody know uh, there is an official member app you can download for your phone. Um, we've got forums and things on there. We'd love to get people engaged and, uh, and more conversations spun up over there. Um, in the meantime, if you don't like the mobile app thing and you want to come in person in March, March 16th, 18th in Chicago, CompTIA is hosting the Communities and Councils Forum. Take a gander outside for your emails coming in on that. Um, but uh, we would look forward to having lots of people and hope that you can come on out to Chicago and meet us there. Thank you for listening. We're going to keep this going next time. Um, we should have one coming up again soon. Thank you very much. To hear podcasts from all of CompTIA's membership communities, you can download the mobile app or listen in on the website at comptia.org communities.